Luke chapter 2, in verse 8 through verse 20. This account begins in the dark. Can you imagine turning all the lights off and you not be able to see anything in this auditorium? Darkness can be a bit unsettling. It can. Because you don't see any threats. You may be concerned about getting up and walking, running into someone, tripping over something. Some harm could come your way. I'm sure many of you have memories when you were a kid of being in the dark and being very afraid. These shepherds were out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. So in the darkness, they would run shifts watching the sheep. And you can imagine there's a little bit of it that you're, you're just on edge because predators are around, they'll circle around, the sheep are vulnerable, you don't have light, you're not having the big spotlight to flash on the coyotes, the lions, the wolves, all the predators that would come to destroy the sheep. So it's very dark and they're on edge. They're not seeing anything. And this is how our story begins. And in many ways, I, I can stop and, and just think about the times that life has been dark. And there's not a lot that I see that's hopeful. And how God will invade that darkness with his light. And I think this is what we're going to see that takes place here for these shepherds, and it takes place for every single one of us. Most likely, they're always looking, watching, waiting until the dawn will come, <laughs> and there is relief when the dawn comes. This is where we begin our story, and something in the midst of this darkness happens. It is spectacular. It is life-changing for these shepherds and for the world. So we'll follow this story from verse 8 to verse 20 this morning. And as it unfolds, I, I want us to notice four stages of what is taking place of this watch by night. The first stage is one of revelation. The scriptures say in verse 9 to 12, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. You can imagine, in complete darkness, this angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Can you imagine how startling this was? And that's where we get that line in the old King James English, and they were sore afraid. <laughs> I imagine we would all be sore afraid of having something like this take place. Not only was it startling in their darkness, on the landscape of the, the faith of the Hebrew people, of the Jewish people, 
they had not seen a visitation or a communication or a revelation from God for 400 years. You may be familiar with that term, 400 silent years. So from the last of the book of Malachi, of the Old Testament being written, there were 400 years where there was no new revelation. And this certainly is a revelation, a revelation that startles these shepherds and all of us. You know, some things we don't see that are right before us. They had the Pentateuch. They had the Old Testament writers, the Psalms and the Proverbs. They had copies of scriptures. Not everyone had a copy in their home like we do today. But they didn't really see it. It reminds me of many times going to the pantry at our house and um, when I'm hungry and opening the doors and then calling out to Diane, ask her, asking, where is something? You guys do this? And she said, it's right there <laughs> on the second shelf. Or, it's right in front of you. And, and so, you know, I think I'm not going to say anymore. I'm just going to. So I start at the top and I go all the way across. And I go all the way across again. And I go down each row of the pantry. And I don't see it. But rather saying something again, I go back up and I start moving things to look if it's behind something down each row. And then finally I give up and I say, can you show me where it is? And she'll walk over, this happens every time, reach over and grab it, it's right here. Some things are just, they're right there but we don't see them. It's like that picture hidden in the picture. And you say, well look, can't you see that? No, I can't see that until you are able to focus. There was no revelation that these shepherds knew of. So the angel of the Lord reveals himself. This, this first phase of, or stage of revelation is given by an angel of the Lord. So the Lord is sending, an angel is a minister, a servant, and sending this angel to reveal what God has to say. Shepherds, to shepherds, of all the people in the world. Now, we've watched enough Christmas programs where we watch the kids all dressed up and they're clean and white and, and um, beautiful little outfits, and, and so we romanticize shepherds. But shepherds smell, and they're dirty. They smell like sheep. Shepherds smell like sheep. They are the lower class of life. They live in a remote, obscure, humble, uneducated place. They're out and away. In fact, you know, we often think that how do the people in China or Africa or India and all these remote villages, it's interesting how that God chooses for the angel to go to the most obscure, remote, probably smelly, <laughs> discarded people in society or shepherds. Now we also will go to kings. We see this with the wise men that come later, but first he reveals himself to shepherds. And isn't it like the Lord to first reveal himself to little children, to poor, the lame, the blind, the beggars, the, 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 
demon-possessed, tax collectors, and of course, everyday fishermen. God did this by design. It wasn't like, well, I can't find anybody else, so I'm going to have this display for these shepherds. He chooses shepherds. And we see shepherds throughout all of Scripture as being something that God wants to communicate. The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the sons of Israel, shepherds, Moses, when God really wanted to teach him something, he made him a shepherd. David was a shepherd. That's how God prepared him to be a king. Jesus is called the chief shepherd. Pastors are considered under shepherds and called to be shepherds of people. And of course, the Lord is my shepherd. So I believe it's significant that he chooses to come to these humble, lowly people in a remote, obscure place and reveal something that is magnificent. Doesn't that show you the heart, the love of God, that he does care about you? Sometimes you feel like, does, does anyone care? Does anyone know? Does anyone understand? He does. Because there's nothing that is out of his reach. So how he reveals himself is through the angel. It, it says the angel of the Lord. Of course, that is startling in and of itself. And then it says the glory of the Lord shone around about him. And then he makes this announcement of Christ coming, and then all of the heavenly hosts, all of the angels uh, join in, chorus, glory to God. So you can imagine uh, quite a spectacular event, this revelation. God reveals to us his son. Let me just read this out of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And see if you can pick up the ways God reveals. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's one of the most magnificent scriptures that I can, could ever share with you. And that's from Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. So in that little paragraph, we see that God reveals himself through creation. Of course, that's consistent with Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. And day into day, they utter speech. So all of creation speaks of God's existence. It is a revelation, his creation. Secondly, he mentions the prophets. He has those that are speaking boldly the words of God. The third is the central one, is Christ. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And then finally, he mentions the word of his power. So in those four ways, creation, prophets, Christ, and what he's given to us, the word. The word is God's revelation to us. So this is the first phase. And you say, well, was this, was this enough revelation? Uh, I always want more. I don't know about you. I want to know more. But that's not the way God works. 
it was enough. It was enough revelation. In Psalm 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's interesting, that statement. It's, it's, it's a lamp and a light. So in the darkness of your experiences on this earth, God will give you revelation to know how to take the next step. But a lamp to your feet is just that. It's a lamp for the next step. It's not a, a light that shines like the sun over the horizon shooting out. I see the whole day. Now, that's what I'd like. I'd like, Lord, I would like to see everything that's going to happen in my life to the very end. No. God will lead us through his revelation by taking the next step. And that's what he is calling us to do. So that really leads us to the second stage, response. How will you respond to revelation that shows you in your life the next step God wants you to take? Because he was very clear in this revelation what he wanted the shepherds to do was to go, to see the child. And he gave them enough to be able to begin their journey. So what did the shepherds do? What was the response? So we move from revelation to response. Something must be done. When God reveals truth to you, you can't just ignore it. You either obey it or you refuse to obey it. And this is the nature of your first encounter with Christ, your first encounter with his word. He's always calling you, and he's always calling me to obedience. This is not a comfortable thing. For these shepherds to do this would be step out of their comfort zone. It was to start a journey. They don't see all of the ups and downs and what's going to happen during this journey. But I think every time we open the scriptures. God is wanting to do something here. Every time he gives us revelation in creation from the prophets, through Christ, through the word, every time he gives you something of himself to see, he's calling you to do something. And so we have a choice to make. And uh, have, you ever, have you ever thought to yourself, I wish I didn't see that. <laughs> I wish, I, I, wish I, I didn't hear that. Or I wish I didn't know that. Because now that you know, now that you see, it changes everything. And this is the way the revelation comes to us. So the response, here's the response, verse 15. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, I can imagine this, they're looking at each other. And um, being an amazing conversation, they said to one another, and they did this collectively, let us go. Let us go to Bethlehem. Well, they knew the city of David was Bethlehem. And to see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So when I look at this, they agreed together, a resolve. They obeyed the, revel the revelation that they had. And they went with haste. There was a determination in doing so. That's really the character of our obedience. It's, it's making a resolution, okay. Um, and this is, this is hard. I came to a point in my life, I've shared this with you before. I came to a point in my life, and this is kind of a scary thing to do, is to say, Lord, everything you show me to do, I will do. Well, wait, wait, wait. I want to know first, what do you want me to do? 
It's like someone says, well, you make me a promise. Well, it depends. <laughs> but I, I can still remember that, that, you know, that, that's going to really change the way I live my life. If I say that, God, everything you reveal to me to do, everything you ask me to do, I will do. And so I think it begins with resolution. Um, and, and a collective resolution is kind of strengthening. You know how, how big we are on small groups? Um, most of you are involved in some kind of a small group, Bible study, um, get-together. Um, and, and when people resolve together, it strengthens. It's like, it's like when we read that a, a cord is not easily broken, that it's woven together, a, three, a threefold cord. And so they, they resolve together, and they went. They obeyed. You know, that first step is probably a difficult one, but the, the, the resolution, and they move out, and it says they went with haste, which to me, when I, I think of haste, it's energetically, steadfastly, and they got there as quickly as they could. And I think that for, for me, thinking of all of those times that the Holy Spirit is speaking to me through his word, and wanting a response. Can you imagine how life-changing it was when Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee and he's talking to these fishermen and he says, follow me. Now, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? But that's pretty much what he does every time he comes into your life speaking to you. He's asking you to respond. So, on watch, revelation leads to response, which leads to relationship. When they came, they found the child. This is about relationship. How many times have we said that? It's not about religion, it's about relationship. They're being called into relationship. Verse 16 says, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, just as the angel had said, it is a person. This is Messiah. This is Christ. This is the promised one. Many people are looking in the face of a child, but they have to realize that this is the face of God. For Christ is the exact representation, the exact impression of his father. So what are people looking for today? They're really not looking for a relationship. They're looking for entertainment. They're looking for organizations and systems. They're looking for knowledge. They're looking for experience, but not for a person. And the whole message of this book is about a person that God wants you to be related to. And this is what Christianity is. It is a relationship with God through his son Jesus, made possible by the working of the Holy Spirit. Revelation, response, relationship. And then we come to the last stage, return. They're going to go back home. So this is, the most, to me, one of the most exciting parts of this, though. But they, they, when they go back, everything has changed. Everything has changed. 
Verse 17 to 20, it says, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. Well, they went back, and they were still shepherds. Probably went back the same way. They did the same thing, lived in the same tent. They did not engage a new occupation. They didn't all become evangelists or Christian school teachers or missionaries. They went back and they were shepherds. Not a new occupation and not a new location. If I could say it today, it's like you, you walk out of church and you get into the same car you used to drive. You drive to the same house you always lived in. You eat the same food you used to eat. And you go to work at the same place you used to work. But your life has radically changed. Everything has changed. Paul says it this way, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. And so these shepherds, they still wearing the same clothes, doing the same thing. But everything